Welcome to the Jesus Famous Youth Teachings Podcast. Our vision is to see Jesus famous in the lives of the youth of our church. We want to see youth have opportunities for them to come to know Jesus in a complete and whole way and be united together in love, and most importantly, strengthened in the moments of discouragement. Jesus Famous Youth meets on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. and has a middle school program available on Sundays at 11 a.m. Now, let's get into our teaching. Take those Bibles and turn to Acts 3. Acts 3. Give you guys a second to find that. If you got it, hold the Bible up in the air. You got it? Acts 3. All right. Got some people got it already. Acts 3. All right. And uh, also, we got uh, study questions. If you need the study questions, raise your hand in the air. We'll get those to you if you didn't grab them on the way in. These are the questions that you guys are going to use for your uh, small group afterwards. Well, we ran out. We, we ran out. Did any of you guys take two copies of the questions? Because you're like, man, these are so good. I want to give some to my parents when I get home. Kaya, cough it up. We need that extra question. Okay, hey, I uh, wanted to make sure that you guys knew, uh, we talked about it already, but next week uh, will be the pizza night and all that in the high school group. We're going to meet, and uh, we've got a special treat for you. The first youth pastor that this church ever had at this building, his name is Manny Colazzo, and he's going to be teaching next Tuesday night to all you high school guys. He's amazing. No joke, when Manny left, I thought that the youth group would never survive. I seriously thought that. I was like, man, this guy's the best youth pastor we've ever had in the world, and the youth group will never go on. And uh, look at you guys. We made it all these years later. But uh, you guys will really enjoy Manny. I won't be here uh, next uh, Tuesday night because Violet is turn- Remember I showed you a picture of Violet last week? Violet's turning 18 next, uh, next Tuesday. So we're going to have a little family hangout together, which leads me to the next announcement that I said I was going to give each week. I also have another daughter, and her name is June, and she's right there. Just wanted to welcome June. Yeah. Just trying to keep you guys updated on the Holdridge family. Okay, tonight we're going to look at Acts 3. Like I said, three messengers that uh, point to Jesus. Three messengers that point to Jesus. We've been thinking about the book of Acts So far, Acts is a great name for this book because it's a book of action. Uh, When you you guys read the Old Testament, if you you ever read the Old Testament, you know the Old Testament is a part of the Bible that has like Noah's Ark, uh, Abraham, Moses, all the cool stories are in the Old Testament. In the New Testament, you have some stories as well. They're also at the front of the New Testament, just like the stories are in the front of the Old Testament. You got the life of Jesus, and then after Jesus left, you got the book of Acts. And after Acts, you got a bunch of letters, and then you got the crazy book of Revelation, which is just wild, and people are still trying to figure it out. Uh, I know what it's about, so if you want a little inside track, I'll give you guys a scoop on that book. But the book of Acts is a story of what they were doing, the early church. It's, It's a story that, you guys remember how many years The book of Acts covers, anybody remember how many years the book of Acts covers? 
Do I have 500? Anybody think 500 years, the book of Acts, 500 years? Kaya is taking 500 years. Nope, not 500 years. Lower than 500. How about 100 years? Do I got 100 years? Anybody think 100 years? I got 100 from Corbin. No, not 100. You're really close with 20. What's your name? I'm pointing at you. Mika. Am I supposed to like automatically know your name just by the fact that you're walking on planet Earth? I'm sorry. I didn't mean to offend you, bro. Um, you've changed a lot since you were five, you know? No, I'm so, I apologize. I will never ask you your name ever again, Mika. Okay, and you said 20 years. That's pretty close. What did you say? It's actually more than 20 years. Okay, I'm just going to give you the answer now, okay? 30 years. <laughs> Somebody said that? Who said 30 years? I'll be honest. Okay. 30 years. But I think you said like every year that there was. You're just like 30, 40, 50. Yeah. Okay. 30 years. 30 years. All right. Here's another thing. Do, do you guys think there's miracles in the book of Acts? We're going to read about one of them tonight. How many miracles do you think, specific miracles are recorded in the book of Acts? You think it's more than, you think it's more than 50? Raise your hand. More than 50 miracles in the book of Acts? Okay. It's actually a lot less. It's more than five. It's only 11. It's only 11. Sometimes people are like, oh, dude, the days of the book of Acts, you know, they're just miracles all the time and all of that. 11 specific miracles are recorded in a 30-year span in the life of the church. Okay, that's important because we're going to talk about miracles tonight. There's going to be a guy that gets healed in this uh, story. No questions right now. And in this story, when this guy gets healed, one of the things that comes up for us as Christians is we kind of wonder, like, man, I read the life of Jesus, and then I read the book of Acts, and I kind of wonder, like, is what Jesus saying is that if we have enough faith, then we'll just see lots of miracles happen. And what I want to tell you is I think that the right reading, the right way to read all the miracles of Jesus and all the miracles in the book of Acts is there's a day coming where every single person who believes in Jesus is going to get a new body and be totally healed by him forever and there will be no more sickness or pain or sorrow or anything like that. This is not that era that we're in right now. We live in a broken and fallen world. But when these little snapshots that break against the normal flow of life happen, it's like God is saying, hey, this is what I can do. Ultimately, I'm going to recreate everything. I know that this is a broken place. I know that this is a hurting place. I know that there's sorrow. I know these things. But a day is coming where I'm going to rectify all of that for everybody who uh, believes in me. So I'm kind of giving like a sermon before the sermon, but I just wanted to let you guys know about this part of the book of Acts. Okay, so um, remember last week, uh, they, they all gathered together, the Holy Spirit came, they start speaking in other languages that they did not previously know, a huge crowd gathers together, Peter preaches, 3,000 people become Christians at one time. This is like amazing. The church was 120 people before that. Now they are 3,120 people. And it says every day God is adding to the church people who are getting saved. So let's pick it up. Chapter 3, verse 1. And I want to talk to you tonight, tonight about three messengers that point to Jesus from this text. But it starts out with 
Uh, verse 1, now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer at the ninth hour. Uh, that, that means 3 o'clock in the afternoon, according to our way of counting time, the ninth hour of their day. Uh, and a man, uh, lame from birth, was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate. There's like gates all around the temple precincts. One of them is called the Beautiful Gate. And he's there to ask alms, money, of those entering the temple. They didn't have welfare or social security system. That was kind of their way of doing it. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. He wanted money from them. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. All right, like you know something's about to go down, right? You know, there's Peter and John. They're cruising into the temple. They're going there to pray. These guys are men of prayer. And they go, they're going there to pray, and there's this man, he can't move. Someone, friends, family, someone has placed in there to ask for money. And he is asking Peter and John when they walk by, can you give me money? And Peter looks at him, and John looks at him, and Peter says, look at us. Like, you already know, like, it's cold. If nothing happens now, if you don't give them money or do something, like, that's cold. So... Something is about to happen. Peter says, look at us. And the man looks at him, gives him his attention. Uh, he fixes attention, verse 5, on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. All right, that's like kind of a bummer for this guy, right? What does he want? He wants silver and gold, right? That's what he wants. Peter looks at him and says, I don't have any of that. Okay, so we left off. There's Peter. He, te he tells this guy, I don't have any silver I don't have any gold. And the man looks at him, and then Peter says, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. All right, he tells this guy to get up. He tells this guy to be healed. He tells this guy to walk. And he took him, verse 7, by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. All right, so this man, an incredible healing. All right, this is, this is uh, you guys think this is a miracle, right? This is a totally a miracle that's happened. This guy's life has just totally changed in a moment. You know, Peter grabs him by the hand. He's walking, he's leaping around. He's praising God. And everybody recognizes him. This is like every day people knew this guy. You know, I grew up in Pacific Grove, and there were just like people in Pacific Grove that you would see every day in the same spot at the same time. You're just like, oh, yeah, that's Gary. He's always like walking down the street this time of the day. You say, what up, Gary, you know, kind of thing. Like you just know people. And people knew this guy. So they see him cruising around, he's well, and they're thinking, oh man, this is amazing. And so a crowd starts to gather together. Okay, like I told you already, 11 miracles in the book of Acts, 11 specific miracles. This is the first big one that happens, the first major healing that occurs in the book of Acts. Every time a miracle happens in the book of Acts, God does it, it seems, so that he can get a big crowd of people together. Uh, so that the gospel can be preached, you know. We don't really do it like that as much anymore. You know, I remember back when I was a youth pastor, one of my favorite 
things we ever got to do as a youth group is I organized this trip called The Tour. And uh, it was so fun because I hired a punk rock band from Hawaii, and then we, as a youth group, uh, created a breakdancing team because I had a counselor who was like this insane breakdancer. And so he was teaching all these boys in the youth group how to breakdance. And then we had a youth group band, and we went and did 10 cities all the way up to Canada and back where we would go to youth groups and skate parks, and we would do you know concerts and breakdancing and have a punk rock show, and then we would share the gospel. That's kind of how we do it nowadays, right? You know, It's like you kind of can't really plan when the miracle's gonna happen in the big crowd, so you do other things to try to get a big crowd together. And that's what God was doing in the book of Acts. These miracles were designed to get a group together so that the gospel could be preached. Okay, but um, when Peter goes through all of this and the crowd gathers together. What we're going to see in a few verses is that Peter is going to say, look, man, it wasn't us. We didn't do this. That was God. And then, he, and then he's going to say, it's by faith in Jesus' name that this man has been healed. And I think one of the first things I want you guys to see is that in this, in this passage, there's going to be a bunch of things that point to Jesus. And, and one of the first things that I want you to see points to Jesus is this man's story pointed people to Jesus, right? His life was changed, and that opened people up to who Jesus is. And what I want to tell you guys tonight, i got to remember to do my slides. Oh, man, I'm just so behind in my slides. We already read this. I'm just the worst slide man ever. Okay, this is the, this is the first thing. Our testimony, our testimony, our story helps point people to Jesus, um, is Pastor Matt in here? Okay, he's, he's back. Matt, I just, I'm going to put you on the spot right now. I know that um, I have the power to hire you and fire you, but I just want to, on the record tonight, I just want to ask you in front of all these witnesses, would you say uh, I'm a hardworking person? Would you, would you describe me in that way? Yeah, would you say I'm in the, um, the top 10% of most hardworking people uh, that you know? Top 5%, maybe, would you say? Oh, man, okay, I'm not going to push my luck any further past that, okay? So let's say, okay, so like you guys know, I could hire and fire Matt, so let's say that means, in actuality, I'm in the top 20% of the people that are hardworking in his mind. He's just being really nice to me right now. But it is true, I like to work. I like to work really hard. I enjoy work. I like throwing my life into my work and stuff like that. But here's the thing I want you guys to know. At my core, I'm a super lazy person. I remember being in high school and my dad was like astounded with me, like flabbergasted. Every single Saturday, he was like mesmerized by me. He's like, I can't believe you could sleep until 2.30. You know, I'm like, I don't know, I could just do it, you know, like, it's a special power that I have, you know, and when he would give me like a chore, you know, he's like, all you need to do is like, there's these pine needles outside, you need to rake them up and put them in the trash can, you know, and it'd be like, all weekend, I'm just thinking about that one job I got to do, like, oh my I got a huge job. I got it. It would take like seven minutes, you know, at the end of the weekend. But like, that was me, man. Like, come to homework, you know, last possible second. I'm going to procrastinate as long as I can. You know, like my daughter Violet, she's just like 
super on it. You know, she's like, got, she, school started today for her. She goes to NPC. School started today. She already did a, her homework for the whole week before she even went to her first class. I'm like, who are you? Like, you're not related to me. You're weird. Um, but what I want you to know is I think that when Jesus came into my life and he started working on me, he's the one that put within me a drive that wasn't there before. And there are things that God wants to do in your life that will point people to Jesus. Like, man, that's a, that's a change. That's a transformation that occurs. Now, here's a key with all that. You can't then walk around like you got it all together because then the story that people hear is, oh, man, you're amazing. What you got to keep reminding people is, no, man, it's only God's grace that has done this in my life. All right, so this guy, he was changed. And one of the questions I want you guys to think about in your small groups tonight is, ask yourself the question, what is something that I would love to see Jesus, like he touched this guy's sickness? What's a thing I would love to see Jesus touch in my life? That maybe like in a year or two years, the people that know me would say, man, what did Jesus do to you in that area of your life, all right? Is it, is it your mouth? Are you like an argumentative person, you know? Are you just every time someone's, you just like always want to be the contrarian? Are you that guy? You know, oh yeah, right here. But you agreed with me right there. You, you agreed that you're a contrarian. Uh, is it? Is it the laziness thing, like I just mentioned? You're like, oh, yeah, Nate, I feel you on that one. You know, what is it? Is it insecurity, you know? Like, oh, man, I just struggle with being confident. I struggle with feeling like I'm loved by God. You know, what is it that you think God wants to touch in your life? I want you guys to think about that tonight, okay? So that's the first thing in this story that points to Jesus. Mika's got me. The first thing that points to Jesus is our testimony. Okay, I'm going to click the slide. Here we go. All right. Verse 11. Let's read. You guys like that? This is an amazing slide show that I got for you. Okay. Well, he clung to Peter and John. All the people utterly astounded ran together to them in the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? I love this from Peter. He's just like right away like, do not give us the credit for this. We didn't do this. He's like, I mean, you can only imagine the problems if Peter took credit for this. Like, yeah, I did do, do that. You know, then he's going to have a line of people that are like, well, then you need to heal me. And he's like, oh, well, actually, I don't know how to do this. You know, so he's honest. He tells everybody right up front, it wasn't us. The God, verse 13, of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he had decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, and his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man this perfect health in the presence of you all. Okay, I love this. Peter shifts now. He's like, you know, this is Peter's game at this point. You know, he's just like, remember, remember what Jesus, what, what did Jesus say that he would make the disciples into? You guys remember this? These guys were fishermen before. I'll make you fishers of men. And Peter, like now he's getting the bug. He's like, oh, this is fun. 
I remember the day of Pentecost, this huge crowd got together. Jesus said, I'd be a fisher of men. And then I preached and Joel 2 came into my head. And then I was quoting from the Psalms. And I'm talking about David and Jesus being risen from the grave. And I put it on the people. And they all believed. 3,000 people believed. Man, I was fishing that day. And now he's like, I'm fishing again. He sees this big crowd together. He starts going fishing. And notice, like he's super bold with all this. You know, he's not like, you know, there were a group of people who didn't like Jesus, and they, you know, they asked for him to be crucified. I'm not trying to be judgmental. He just kind of goes after him, and he's like, you know, you guys, you, you asked for the, the, the king of life to be killed. <laughs> that's, that's what you did. You know, you guys crucified him. He just, he tells this crowd what they had done. It's amazing. But notice what he says. He points immediately to uh, verse 15. He said, you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. Remember last week we talked about the resurrection, how that's like the center message of Christianity. You know, anytime anyone's asking, like, what's the difference? What's the difference between Christianity and all the religions of the world? What's the difference? It's just the same. It's just another road. It's just another path to God. The resurrection is the biggie, okay? There's a lot of things that separate Christianity from other religions in the world, but, but the resurrection is the big one. And we talked about the truthfulness of the resurrection last week. Uh, but one thing I wanted to point out today is that, you know, a lot of people, when they attack the resurrection, and, and this is my second point. I've got, I've got to click the thing again. Resurrection power. Three messengers that point to Jesus. Number two, resurrection power. The resurrection points to Jesus. What makes Jesus different than Buddha, Gandhi, all these other people? It's the resurrection. I'm answering the question. Just, it was like a rhetorical thing, you know, just like, what is it? You say it now. Well, yeah, you could say that, but no, those guys were around. You could say the resurrection. What separates Jesus from all those other religious leaders? There you go. Okay, so you got it. Nailed it. Good job, class. You get an A. One of the things that people say about the resurrection is that the early church, they made it up for personal gain. That's an accusation that you'll hear. They made it up for personal gain. Um, the problem with that statement is that they, for one, they didn't get personal gain. They got killed. They got they got murdered, they got arrested, they got persecuted, they got beaten. That's what they got for preaching the resurrection. They didn't get personal gain. Um, and, the, and also the problem with that is that if a group of people make something up like that, uh, eventually when there's persecution and death and arrests and all that, someone's going to crack, you know. If it was like, if, if all these disciples had just made it up, you know, Matthew would be like in some prison cell somewhere, just they're beating them up, and they're like, tell us it's a lie, and he'd finally be like, it was a lie, it wasn't true, we made it all up, but they never said that, none of them ever said that, because they'd seen Jesus risen from the grave. And, uh, and then the other thing is, there's nothing about the character of these early Christians that would give you the idea that they were a group of liars, they they, they loved the truth. They were about the truth. They were truth-telling people. Um, people now, 2,000 years later, uh, they actually get personal gain by doubting the resurrection. That's the interesting thing. You can write a book and all of that, and you can make a lot of money you know, doubting the resurrection of Jesus. So uh, the resurrection power is the second thing I wanted to show you that points to Jesus. Okay, let's click and look at the last one. 
I say let's click like we're doing this together. I'm, I'm up here, look at this. I can go backwards, forwards, I can do the whole thing. I can go to the beginning, very beginning of my slideshow. I thought this was a nice title slide and then it's like a subtitle slide and then a text and then point one and then point two. I'm just learning technology this week. That's what I was doing. Yeah, thank you. I've been waiting for someone to give me props for this slideshow. There's no gladiators in this one, though, just so thank the Lord for that, yeah. Okay, the third thing, though, verse 17, let's read it, finish it up. It says, and now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he's thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, and that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus whom heaven must receive until the time of restoring all things, for restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Moses said, the Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him and whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days. You are the sons of the prophets and the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up this servant, sent him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Okay, here's the third thing I want to point out. Third messenger, this one's going to take a little explaining. Our testimony points to Jesus The resurrection power points to Jesus, but the Old Testament prophets point to Jesus as well. And uh, Peter says a lot of things, I'm going to try to point it out to you, about these Old Testament prophets in this passage. Uh, One thing that he said the Old Testament prophets said, can you guys see my little blue dot here? Okay. He said that, why was it say right here? That, that, what does it say after that? Keep going, bro. <laughs> Man, you're giving me one. Okay, let's go. That, okay, next word. Okay, there we go, that his Christ would suffer. The prophet said his Christ would suffer. When the Christ comes, he is going to suffer. Thank you, Wyatt. I'm sorry. I wasn't very clear about what I was asking you to do. Okay, here, here's, some, here's some prophecies from the Old Testament. Psalm 22 It says, dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircled me. They've pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and glow to me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. That was written hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came. But doesn't it sound like what Jesus went through when he was on the cross? His hands pierced, his hands spread out, all of that. It's a a prophecy about his suffering. One more about his suffering. Isaiah 53, verse 7. He was oppressed, afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is before its shear is a silence, so he opened not his mouth. So that's one thing the prophet said, that he'd suffer. Okay, but the prophets also said that he would, why, I'm going back to you on this one. I'm going back to you. Are you ready for this? What's he going to do? What's the, what's the Messiah going to also do? Uh, where are you at? Oh, man, my, my guy left. Hi. And I don't know why my arrow, can you, oh no, I, oh no, oh no, okay, there we go. Restoring. 
restoring. Restoring all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. Yes, 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 yes. Okay. Good job, man. Nailed it. I don't even know why I'm doing this. Just hand this up, hand this mic to you. Okay, so the prophets said that the, that the Messiah would restore everything. That the Messiah would restore everything. Um, this is beautiful. Here's one from the prophets, Isaiah 2, verse 4. There's a day coming where Jesus will judge between the nations and decide disputes for many peoples. And listen what will happen. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. In other words, what it's saying is when Jesus comes, he's going to inaugurate a day where we don't even need weapons anymore because war is over with. Are we in that day right now? No, <laughs> no there's war all over the place, right? I forget how many wars there are. There's like, John, how many wars are there? 100, 150 wars. Something like that, okay? You're my expert. I'm going to you for the war questions. Okay, so that's another prophecy about Jesus. Okay, what's another one? Let's look at uh, verse 22. Moses said, okay, and then Lily, I'm going to you. Yep. Blue dot. What did Moses say? All right. So Jesus, when he comes, he would be like Moses. He would be like Moses. Uh, okay, what did, what did Moses do? He set people free, right? He took them out of their slavery. He set them free. That's what Jesus does, right? He sets us free from our slavery. Uh, Moses, Moses interceded for everybody in Israel. You know, he did. He even at one point asked God, he's like, can I die in their place? And God said, no. You can't die in their place, but who could die in their place? Jesus, right? Jesus dies for our sins. So he comes like the prophet, like Moses. Let's do a couple more. Uh, let's see, verse uh, 25. What's that? You, you want Elias next? Okay. Okay, uh, let's see. Elias right here. You with me? You Blue dot? You're not colorblind, are you? Okay. All right. Right where the blue dot is. Go for it. You ready? Okay. Ready? Go. Okay. This one, this one is huge. Okay. If you haven't listened to anything I've said up to this point, I want you to listen right now. This one's huge. This one helps you understand what the whole Bible is about. God comes to this guy named Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, just picks him and says, hey, from you is going to come one who will be a blessing to all the nations of the earth. That's Jesus, all right? But the story of the Old Testament is like the story of that little family of Abraham developing into and whittling down to Jesus himself, all right? So, Peter is just pointing out, and there's a lot I didn't talk to you about of all the, these different prophecies, but, but Peter is just pointing out the prophets, they talked about Jesus. The prophets, they point to Jesus. Uh, did, did you know that the, that the Old Testament prophets said that the Messiah would be born of a woman who was a virgin in the city of Bethlehem, just like Jesus was? Did you know that the Bible said that he had to be a descendant of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Judah and David? It had to, it had to be a, a, a 
their family line and tree, just like Jesus was. Did you know that the Bible said that even though he'd be born in Bethlehem, he would have to spend some of his childhood in Egypt, just like Jesus did? Remember the wise men came and gave a bunch of money to Jesus' family, and then Herod wanted to kill all the babies, and where did they run to? Where did they flee for a few years? They went to Egypt. Uh, did you know that the Bible said that after Jesus was born, a massacre of children would happen in his birth town? That's what Herod had done through killing the babies there. Did you know that the Bible said that a messenger would cry out in the wilderness as a way to prepare people for Jesus' coming? That's what happened with John the Baptist, right? He went out in the wilderness. Everybody's flocking to him. It was just crazy. Did you know that the Bible said he would be rejected by his own people? That he would be this Moses-like figure who would lead people out of slavery? Did you know that he would be known as a Nazarene? He grew up in Nazareth after he came back from Egypt. Did you know that the Bible said he would do a lot of his work in the region of the Galilee? Did you know that the Bible said he would teach with parables, that he would serve the brokenhearted, that little children would praise him, that he'd be betrayed by a friend? These are just some of the prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. The prophets testify of Jesus. So going back to my slideshow, what points to Jesus our testimony, change in our lives, resurrection power, Jesus rose from the dead, and the Old Testament prophets, all right? So tonight I want you guys to think about uh, a few things. I said I want you to think about, oh man, what, what areas do I want to see God work in my life to build a testimony in me? I also want you to ask the question, how am I doing when it comes to believing in the resurrection of Jesus? You know, where, where am I at? Like, how, how hard is that for me to buy into? And then I want you to think about the prophets. Does that build up my faith at all? Do I, do I believe those guys? Do I, do I think that that is powerful and miraculous? And, and am, I, am I into that, okay? So, Lord, I pray for everyone now. Bless all of our small groups as we gather and think about your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you at Youth Group on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. If you'd like more information about JFY or have a question, reach out to us at joshuas at calvary.com or DM us on Instagram at ymcalvary.